0: Good morning, New Morning Life family. So glad to be with you this Sunday morning and welcome you into this virtual sanctuary. Always remember... That the house of God isn't only confined to this space or only confined to a church building, but it's wherever you are and it's wherever you can proclaim the name of the Lord and meditate on his word, be it public or in private. So don't feel discouraged that you're at home and we're watching this or you're having to read the word and, and, and get the sermon through an online platform. We can worship God through any means necessary, and that's exactly what we're doing during this time. Always remember this joy we have. The world didn't give it to us, and the world can't take it away. We must be thankful for what God has done, what God is doing, and what God will do. Brothers and sisters, as you can see, I have my bowler tie on this Sunday morning, and this is to commemorate our founding pastor, Pastor Robert Hodo. As you all know, I like to wear these sometimes just to pay homage and to just reflect myself On my mentor and friend and father-like figure that poured so much into my spiritual life. But nonetheless, there is a word from the Lord this Sunday morning. And we're coming from the book of Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verses 1 through 8. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verses 1 through 8. When you get there, just type amen or press the thumbs up button on the bottom of your screen. The word says... For everything, there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck up what is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up, a time to weep. And a time to laugh a time to mourn and a time to dance a time to throw away stones and a time to gather stones a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing a time to seek and a time to lose and a time. And a time to keep and a time to throw away a time to tear and a time to sow, a time to keep silent and a time to speak a time to love and a time to hate a time for war and a time for peace. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading of this word. Pray with me. Lord, we thank you. And we always come to you with thanks. That no matter what's going on in the world, we can come first to you and bring all of our concerns, all of our worries, all of our frustrations to you. And Lord, we first thank you for that. So, Father God, we just want to praise you and uplift your name at this time. And I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts would be acceptable in thy sight and that we would be at a point in which we can receive this word with an open mind so it sows into our spirit like a seed and will be able to flourish into our lives so that the people around us can see the walk of a Christian and ask what they must do to be saved. So Father God, I pray that you will continue to work through this ministry. I pray that you will continue to work through our leaders, work through our congregations and continue to give me a timely word for such a time as this. Lord, we thank you, we love you, and in your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Brothers and sisters, this too shall pass. This too shall pass. This passage of scripture makes me think of a story about a Persian king. And this Persian king, he assembled all of his wise men, and he got them together and he charged them with finding something that would make him happy when he was sad and content with his happiness when he was happy. So he got these wise men together and he charged them to do this. And the wise men were slightly puzzled by this because they didn't know exactly what to do. One wise man said, well, maybe we can just get him something. And the other said, well, what do you get a king? Another wise man said, well, why don't we get him some entertainment like a jester or a dancer or somebody that can uplift his spirits? But then the other wise men said, well, what will that do to keep him content all of the time? And then the last wise men said, well, why don't we just get him another wife? But all the other wise men said he has enough of those already. Mm -hmm. But the wise men, as they kept talking, as they kept brainstorming and trying to figure out what to get him, finally they came together and they figured out what to do. Excitedly, they came back to the king, and as they came back to the king, they brought to the king a box. The king took the box, he opened the box, and when he looked inside the box, he saw that in the box was a small ring. And on the ring was inscribed the words, this too shall pass. Mm -hmm. The king smiled with amusement, and he laughed and chuckled to himself because he was quite pleased. And the lead wise men stepped up to the king and said, your majesty, your majesty. Your Highness, wear this ring and whenever you're happy or whenever you're sad, you can wear this ring and look at this ring and be in a place of perfect peace. Brothers and sisters, during this pandemic, there is peace in knowing that this too shall pass. Let me say that one more time, brothers and sisters, during the midst of the pandemic, when you're upset, when you've had times that you've even been happy with your family, when you have even had times in which you could have family time. But even though you could have family time, you couldn't necessarily go to work and you're in this strange place of happiness because you have your family on one side, the frustration because you're not working on the other side. I just want to let you know that this too shall pass. And in the midst of this passing and in the midst of you feeling that way, you can find peace in knowing that the storm will soon be over. You see, this morning's message comes from the book of Ecclesiastes. And ironically, we often read this at funerals as a reminder that there is a time for everything and a season for everything under the sun. This passage of Scripture is helpful during this time because we are in a season of dying, a season of sickness, a season of anxiety, depression, frustration, confusion, solitude, and isolation. However, the subtle message in the passage of Scripture that I just read is that this too shall pass. Now, it doesn't specifically say this. However, we can conclude when we see the word season and the repetitive phrase of a time for this and a time for that, that we are reminded whatever we are experiencing will eventually come to an end. Brothers and sisters, this lets us know that our troubles and afflictions won't last always. You see, the Apostle Paul reminds us in 2 Corinthians chapter four verses seventeen and eighteen for this slight momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all measure because we look not at what we can see but what we cannot see for what can be seen is temporary but what cannot be seen is eternal. Brothers and sisters we should find peace in that we should find solace in that because the eternal unseen From the text in Ecclesiastes is God's sustaining power no matter what we experience. You see, the good and the bad may pass, but God's goodness, God's faithfulness remains the same. You see, we serve a God that steps in time to be with us in our experience while at the same time stands outside of time. To understand the full context of our situation, but also is before time because he knows the plans he has for us. Then again, is after time because he offers salvation and heavenly rest when we die. Uh, that, that, I got to read that again because that, that was all right. I said we serve a God that steps in time to be with us in our experience while at the same time stands outside of time. And to understand the fullness of the context of our situation, but it's also before time because he knows the plans he has for us. Then again, it's after time because he offers salvation and heavenly rest. You see, no matter what it looks like, this too shall pass. You see, the book of Ecclesiastes is labeled as wisdom literature. There are five books in the Bible that is listed as wisdom literature. You might want to get your pen and paper for this. This is our little Bible session right here where I give you the context and history. The five books of the Bible that are labeled as wisdom literature is Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and the Psalms of Solomon. Once again, that's Job, that's Psalms, that's Proverbs. That's Ecclesiastes and the Song of Solomon. These are labeled as the wisdom literature, and you can probably tell that by the nature in which they're written. But specifically, the book of Ecclesiastes is written in a specific way that gives us insight about life. You see, now the book of Ecclesiastes, a lot of scholars debate about who wrote it, but it's been concluded and a lot of people lean toward the side of it being written by King Solomon. Even though it's said to have been written by King Solomon, as you know, most kings don't write things uh, for themselves. They have scribes that write things for them. So it's suggested that King Solomon probably had a scribe or what we would call today a ghostwriter that wrote out a lot of his thoughts and memoirs. And this book of the Bible, Ecclesiastes, realistically, in my opinion, is a little bit depressing. It comes off slightly depressing because of the nature in which I'm going to say uh, King Solomon wrote it because you'll notice. And let me give you a little example in Ecclesiastes chapter one verses one through about eight. You'll notice how the book itself kind of moves and has its own tone to it. That sounds a little depressed. Let me give you an example. It says the words of the teacher, son of David, king in Jerusalem, meaningless. Meaningless. This is verse two of chapter one of Ecclesiastes. It says meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher, utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. What do people gain from all their labor at which they toil under the sun? Generations come and generations go, but the earth remains forever. The sun rises and the sun sets and hurries back to where it rises. The wind blows to the south and turns to the north. Round and round it goes, ever returning on its course. All streams flow into the sea, yet the sea is never full to the place of the stream comes from. There they return again. All things are wearisome. More than one can say. The eye Has never seen enough of seeing, nor the ears is filled to hear. What has been will always be again. What has been done will be done again. There is nothing new under the sun. As you can see, the author of Ecclesiastes kind of has this morbid spirit. The author of Ecclesiastes kind of has this forlorn spirit because he's saying everything is meaningless. But, brothers and sisters, I would like to make the theological claim, if I may, by saying he's saying everything is meaningless because of his status. You see, he's a king, so he's experienced every type of of, of, of richness, every type of pleasure. He has all the money that anybody could ever want. He's King Solomon, so he has all the wisdom that anybody or anybody at his time has ever had. And if you go further through Ecclesiastes, he said he's indulged in every type of pleasure, be it uh, drinking, be it debauchery, be it with women. He said he's bought all types of slaves, and after fulfilling all of his dreams and desires, he realizes it's all meaningless. Because at the end of the day, no matter if you're rich or poor, we all die. It seems as though that this author is downcast, is morbid. But brothers and sisters, I want to challenge the author. I want to challenge King Solomon in his thought this Sunday morning. No, I'm not a king and no, I haven't had the same wealth in which King Solomon has had. No, I'm not as wise as King Solomon. But I know everything in this life that we've experienced is not meaningless. The reason why I say it's not meaningless is because when I look at the fact of all that I've been through in my personal life, how everything has built from one thing allowed me to get to something else, this aspect of it being meaningless just doesn't sit right with my soul. Let me tell you about my mother. My mother's from a little small country town called Richland, Georgia. It's in what's known as Stewart County. And my mother told me when I was younger, she said when she was growing up, people weren't able to go back and forth to the supermarket in the store the way they are now. She said during the time she grew up, you would have to go to town to go to the supermarket or go to the store. And that's where you would get a lot of your groceries if you didn't grow it at home by yourself. So she said in order to get to town, people would either walk or they would catch rides into town. And she said when when they would do that, they would try to get all that they could afford to buy because they may not know the next time they could get to town again. And brothers and sisters, my mom who was from this little small country town, she wound up leaving that small country town and coming to the big city of Atlanta. But in spite of her leaving the small country town, she kept that small country town mentality when it came to keeping food even when she got to the big city. And she started going to a place called Sam's Club. And you see, at Sam's Club, she could buy a whole case of, of, of toilet paper. She could buy a whole case of toilet uh, paper, and not only toilet paper, but paper towels and napkins. She could buy a whole uh, case of Lysol and Lysol wipes. And I used to ask my mom, Mom, why are you getting all these different um, toilet papers and, and, and wipes? And it's almost like we have a store downstairs. I said, well, why do you get all these extra things and there's only two of us in the house? And my mom said, you don't know how I've been brought up. She said, you don't know how I've been raised. That sometimes you have to plan ahead because yes, times may be good right now, but you don't know when times may get bad and you can't get out and get to the store. And then even if you can get out and get to the store, you don't even know if the store may have it. But me and all my wisdom. I challenged my mom and I said, but mom, if you can't get to the store, I'll drive you to the store. If I can't drive you to the store, I'll go to the store myself and I'll get it, mom. And she said, well, that doesn't change the fact that the store may run out of it. I was like, mom, I don't know any store that's going to run out of anything that they can make money from. But brothers and sisters, that's where old time wisdom beats intellect. Sometimes you just got to sit back And listen to the wisdom of the elders and not try to act like you know everything because the wisdom of the elders is the wisdom that will help you get through. And brothers and sisters, when COVID-19 hit, ironically, all the stores they ran out of the Lysol. They ran out of the toilet tissue. They ran out of the paper towels. They ran out of the paper plates. But let me tell you who didn't run out of it. My mama had that little store of all the paper towels, all the paper plates, all of the napkins and all the Lysol and, and, and all that I had said had been put to shame. Brothers and sisters, what I want you to realize and what I want you not to take for granted is that when God puts you through something or when you experience a hardship in life or when you come from a setting that may be deemed as an adverse setting or may be deemed at risk or may be deemed as impoverished, God is trying to give you the tools. So that although you may not have it then, when you get to a point that you do have it, you don't forget where you came from. God is trying to give you the tools so that no matter how successful you get, you can take that little small country town mentality and apply it to a big city. Brothers and sisters, it reminds me of reaping and sowing. You see, my mother took an experience that had been reaped in her spirit as had been sown in her spirit as a child, and it produced much fruit Mm -hmm. as an adult. And I wanted to share with you all, and I want to show you all that sometimes God sows seeds of an uncomfortable experience into Mm -hmm. our lives, so that in the future we can reap the benefits of future comfort. Mm -hmm. I'm going to say that one more time. Mm -hmm. God sows seeds of an uncomfortable experience in our lives so we can reap the benefit of future comfort. Uh, see, that's why for me, it's not just all meaningless. And that's why I had to challenge the words of the king, because just in my mother's experience, somebody might have written off all that she had learned in that little country town. But as you can see, what might have been deemed meaningless then showed uh, what is evident that it was quite needed in such a time as this. Mm-hmm. Brothers and sisters, I want to let you know that this pandemic soon will pass. And even though it will pass, I want us to think about what will remain. So the theme and title of my sermon is this too shall pass. But what I want to add to it is what will remain. You see, this too shall pass, but what will remain as far as your character? What will remain as far as your faith? Brothers and sisters, we have to be anchored in something. We have to be anchored in a God. We have to be strong in our belief. And if we just go through life aimlessly, if we just go through life experiencing different forms of trauma, experiencing hardships in our life, and we just can't wait to get out of it, but we don't take time to learn something from those experiences, we've wasted our time. And what winds up happening is we find ourselves back in the same cycle because God was trying to teach us a lesson that we overlooked, too busy trying to get out of the hardship. Maybe you need an example. Let me give you the example of one of my good friends, Joseph. I'm not talking about Joseph in the New Testament. I'm talking about Joseph in the Old Testament. You know, Joseph, Joseph is Jacob's son. And he, in the Bible, was listed as Jacob's favorite son. Joseph was a dreamer and he had dreams and he was listed as Jacob's favorite son. And he told Jacob and his brothers about the dream where he saw all of them bowing to him and him lifted up. And that made his brothers upset. Now, they were already upset because he was the favorite child. But they took it a little further and they sold him into slavery. Brothers and sisters, these brothers, it was 12 of these brothers, each one of their names is actually the names of the 12 tribes of Israel. So, brothers and sisters, what I want you to see about Joseph is he started in a season where he had favor. And then he went from a season of favor and was sold into slavery, which then was a low season. Then after he's sold into slavery, he's bought by Potiphar. And although he's bought by Potiphar and still enslaved, Potiphar puts him over everything in his household. So now he's on the up and up. And after he's put over everything in his household, guess what happens? Potiphar's wife comes slouching up to him. And now Potiphar's wife tries to sleep with him. And Joseph says, he says, my master has given me everything in his household except you. And I cannot dishonor my master, so I have to respectfully decline. And what Potiphar's wife does is lie on him. So now he's gone from being in a high place back to a low place. And, brothers and sisters, what I want you to see is that Joseph, in spite of all he was going through, maintained, the text says, a spirit of excellence. He maintained, the text says, a spirit of good character. And he maintained, the text says, A spirit of faith in God. So after that, Joseph is now thrown into prison. So as you can see, he's gone from being the favorite son to being sold out by his own brothers. And then sold into slavery. Then is lifted up as the leader of everything in his master's household. Then is thrown into prison because his master's wife says that he's trying to sleep with her. Then from prison, guess what happens? Some people come. And remember, he has the gift of interpreting dreams. And they asked him to interpret his dreams. And one of the the people that is thrown into prison has a dream that will allow or uh, predicts that he will get out of jail. And when that brother gets out of jail, Joseph asked him, he said, remember me when you're reinstated back in the king's or back in Pharaoh's good favor. And when he gets back, he forgets about Joseph. So now Joseph is still in that low place. But let me tell you what's so good about the text. Whether Joseph was in a high place or in a low place, the text says God was still with him. A couple of years pass, and after Joseph is in this low place, the pharaoh has a dream. And once the pharaoh has a dream, the cupbearer that had had his dream interpreted by Joseph in prison now remembers Joseph. And he tells the pharaohs, there's a man that I know in prison that can interpret dreams. Now Joseph goes from the prison to the palace and when he gets to the palace, the the Pharaoh has him interpret his dream. And not only does he interpret his dream, he tells him that Pharaoh, I know your empire in Egypt is the largest empire and people come from all over the world to get your goods, to get your resources. But this empire will experience famine for a long period of time. So what I need you to do is start gathering all of your resources and start storing them away for the time period of famine. And what the Pharaoh does is says to him, well, since you've been able to interpret this dream, I'll put you second in command under me so that you can manage this. Now he's up in a high place. So my brothers and sisters, you can see how Joseph started in favor with his father. Then is sold into slavery with his brothers, a low place. Then goes from that to a high place where now he's put in management over everything in Potiphar's house. But then he goes back to a low place when he's then betrayed by Potiphar's wife and then put into prison. And after he's put into prison, he gets elevated to a high place by now being able to be second in command under Pharaoh. But brothers and sisters, what kept Joseph anchored? was his faith in God it says whether he was in a high place or whether he was in whether he was in a low place his spirit of excellence never changed and brothers and sisters yes this too shall pass but if our spirit of excellence also passes with this season we've gone through all our trials and tribulations for nothing. Brothers and sisters, let me remind you what the passage of Scripture in James said. The book of James is a passage of Scripture that we need to remember. The book of James is a passage of Scripture that tells us how to stay faithful to God, that tells us that what we go through isn't just in vain. James says, You know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete. Lacking nothing. Brothers and sisters, whether it's in my mother's story or whether it's in Joseph's story, you see that my mother in times such as this during a pandemic when people had so little and were running to the store trying to get things the store was telling them they didn't have, my mother took her experience and we wind up being able to have more than what we needed and just like the text says, we were lacking nothing. Let me show you about Joseph. Joseph had an experience where he was in a high place and he was in a low place, but it It didn't matter what place he was in, he was lacking nothing because his spirit of excellence that he maintained through the high and low place is what got him through. So, brothers and sisters, it's not meaningless. Brothers and sisters, I know what the King Solomon has said, but it's not meaningless because although this too shall pass, we still have to have something that remains. Whether it be our character, whether it be our faith, we still have to be anchored in something. You see, the song says life is filled with swift transition, not on earth unmoved can stand. Put your hopes in things eternal. Hold to God's unchanging hand. Brothers and sisters, Joseph had his dreams. And those dreams helped him get through the high place and the low places. Moses had his staff that took him from shepherding sheep to shepherding people and to fighting Pharaoh in Egypt. David had his slingshot. That he was using to keep away the lions, the tigers, the bears, and the wolves from his sheep. But that slingshot eventually helped him fight Goliath. Brothers and sisters, Paul has his words. And at first his words were used for a decree to persecute Christians. But then his words became the foundation and what is now looked at as most of the New Testament. So brothers and sisters, we have to be anchored in the gifts that God gives us. Yes, this pandemic will pass. But if you don't come out with a stronger faith, stronger self-awareness or self-discipline, you will find yourself blowing in the wind with no direction, repeating cycles. You see, what this makes me think of is ships, ships in a harbor. You see, the interesting thing about ships is when they have ships or boats in a harbor, they don't just tie it up. They have something called an anchor that's in the water that keeps the ship in place. Because they realize if they tie it up, no matter how big the ship is, and no matter how gentle the breeze is, no matter how calm the the tide is, eventually over time, that tide and that breeze will cause the ship to pull away from whatever knot is trying to keep it in place. If it doesn't, Unravel the knot, it'll pull away the foundation of whatever the knot is attached to So people that have worked with ships for a long time have realized it also needs an anchor And oftentimes that anchor is smaller than the ship itself You've never seen an anchor that's as big as the ship The anchor is a fraction of the size of the ship But no matter how small the anchor is and how big the ship is The anchor is necessary for the ship to stay in place. Brothers and sisters, the reason why it's necessary is because, check this out, this is a little quote I came up with on my own that the consistency of inconsistency will wear the ship down to the point of which it can pull away from the dock. And, brothers and sisters, you might not get that right now. You might get it on your way to the kitchen or when you get back in bed to tonight, but I'm going to say it again the consistency. Of inconsistency is what causes it to pull away. But brothers and sisters, when you have an anchor, it doesn't matter how inconsistent the winds are. It doesn't matter how inconsistent the waves are in the water. What it does is it keeps us in place regardless. Brothers and sisters, when I say the consistency of inconsistency, what I'm talking about is sometimes in life there's so many different things going on around us that you can't even find a pattern in which it's happening. Sometimes you're up, sometimes you're down, sometimes you're in the middle ground. And if you could find some type of homing device that would help you categorize or piece together the hardships that would come into your life, at least you would have a way in which you could fight or try to battle them. But brothers and sisters, if you are anchored, it doesn't matter about the inconsistency and how consistent those inconsistencies show up. What matters is who and what you're anchored in. And if you don't get anything else from this, sermon, what I want you to take away is that although this too shall pass, you need to be anchored in something that will not pass away. Brothers and sisters, if we're not anchored, we'll be just like a boat out at sea, just blowing in the wind. If we're not anchored in something, we'll be like a boat that starts off at the dock, starts off at church, starts off at the right place. But as the winds blow. And as the consistency of inconsistency takes its course, we slowly but surely get unraveled from our dock. And next thing you know, we start drifting away at sea to the point of which we're so far from the shore, we don't even know how to get back. But brothers and sisters, what I want us to realize and focus on is that no matter how far or distracted we are, we can put our faith in God. We can find an anchor in the Lord. We can find the anchor in God's promises and in God's word. New morning light, those wise men at the beginning of the sermon, I don't know if they knew our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I don't know if they were able to to sit down and read the word of the Lord. But when they went to the king, they gave him a ring in which he could look at. And when they gave him that ring, they told the king that if you look, At this ring, this ring will give you peace. Uh, But brothers and sisters, I just want you to know that I know somebody else that you can look to that'll give you peace. You see, I don't have wise men to bring me gifts and and come up with different things. And I'm sure you don't have a group of wise men somewhere that can just give you a ring or make up something to make you happy when you're sad and, and do all of that. But I know somebody that can make you happy and help you get through the hard times. I know somebody that you can look to. And brothers and sisters, the person you can look to always is God. You see, I know a God you can look to when times are hard. I know a God you can look to when it's time to be born and when it's time to die. I know a God you can look to when it's time to plant. And it's time to uproot. I know a God you can look to when it's time to kill and a time to heal. When it's a time to tear down and it's time to build up. I know a God you can look to when it's time for weeping and it's time for laughing. When it's time for mourning and time for dancing. When it's time for scattering stones and it's time to pick them up. When it's time to embrace and it's time to refrain from embracing. I know a God you can look to when it's time to give up and when it's time to give in. I know a God you can look to When it's time to throw away And when it's time to keep I know a God you can look to When it's time to tear down And it's time to build up I know a God you can look to When it's time to be silent And it's time to speak When it's time to love And when it's time to hate When it's a time for war And when it's a time for peace Brothers and sisters This pandemic shall pass But I want to charge you with The fact that Although things may get better at some point, although our lands may heal and people may be cured at some point, don't let this moment pass you by. But look at what will remain in the midst of this pandemic. Look at how your faith should have been strengthened during this pandemic. Look at how your relationship with God should be cemented during this pandemic. And I charge you, if you haven't reached this point, To build a stronger relationship with God before this moment passes you by. Brothers and sisters, this too shall pass. But what will remain? God bless you. And amen. On behalf of New Morning Light Baptist Church, I want to thank you for tuning in to our online worship. I thank you for being diligent, and I thank you for being patient with us as we explore different and creative ways to bring you the Word of God. I just want to remind you, there are four ways in which you can give. You can do the text to give at the number displayed at the bottom of the screen. You can also give through Easy Tide, or you can give through Facebook, our New Morning Light Facebook page, or the New Morning Light website. Once again, thank you all so very much for tuning in to our worship experience. And I just want to say God bless you and I love you and keep watching for what God is doing during this trying time. Amen.